In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is John Newton. I currently serve as the Chief of Staff in the Episcopal Diocese of Texas, and a big part of my job is to be present with our churches on Sunday mornings. And you know, these all are special, but to be honest, some days are just more special than others. And so to be at St. Francis on the feast day of St. Francis, it's like, you know, for Dawson work, this is like the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, you don't want to mess this up. And uh, so how nice that for the first time in six years on diocesan staff, I worked really hard to prepare a sermon on the wrong gospel passage. <laughs> um, so we'll get to that in a moment. But first, let me say I'm really excited to be your preacher this morning. Stuart, thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank you for having me. It really is great to be here. And so um, for this sermon to make sense... Let me read you the passage on which I did prepare a sermon from the Gospel of Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves we have done only what we ought to have done. Repair my church. Repair my church. Three little words that sparked a revolution in the life of a 12th century monk that we know as Francis. For upon hearing these words from God, Francis renounced all of his wealth, was disowned by his father, built bridges of peace with the Muslim world, preached the gospel to both humans and animals, lived in solidarity with the poor, and was canonized as saint only two years after his death. And all of this a response to hearing God speak these three words into the depths of his soul. Francis, repair my church. And I don't know about you, but whenever I hear God's call to repair his church, my heart begins to ache. It aches for God's church to be repaired and for God's people to be an instrument through whom healing and grace and love flow into the world. Because let's face it, people do not always flock to us the way they would always flock to Jesus, nor do we always seek out hurting human beings the way our good shepherd did. And so I'm wondering if you can hear God's call spoken to this St. Francis, today, repair my church. Because I do hear that call 
And I don't know about you, but whenever I feel God's desire to repair the church and I feel God's desire to involve me in that amazing work, my gut reaction is always to pray with the apostles in the passage I just read you, Lord, I need you to increase my faith. Increase my faith because I don't always feel up for the job. I feel inadequate. I feel like I've got five loaves and two fish, not enough to feed the 5,000 people. I feel that when it comes to faith, what I need is more. Hence the prayer, increase my faith. I don't have enough faith. I need more. So before we look at how Jesus responds to the apostles and this very normal request, there's something I just want to name. I think the vast majority of us have been conditioned to come to church and just to expect a steady dose of judgment to come to us from the Bible. And as a result, we often assume that Jesus responds to the apostles in a way that's shaming and angry, or if nothing else, that Jesus is challenging them to have more faith than they currently have. Right tone is absolutely everything. And so if we hear in this passage Jesus challenging us to have more faith than we currently have, my sermon to you will go something like this. I'll say today is St. Francis Day, and Francis was super awesome and holy, and he had great faith. And so I want you to look at Francis's life, and then I want you to look at your own. And then I want you to take small steps of faith to bridge that gap so that your life looks more like the life of St. Francis. Oh, and by the way, it only takes like a mustard seed of faith to do this work. And so if for some reason you find that you really can't do it, there's probably something wrong with you. Now, of course, if that's the sermon I was going to preach, I'd make sure that the shame and the guilt was much more subtle than that. I'd wrap it in clever metaphors and rhetoric, but, you know, that's the point of the sermon I'd preach if Jesus was exhorting us to have more faith. But here's the thing. I don't think that's what's happening at all. And I don't think that's happening because the apostles have already shown tremendous faith. Right? They have literally left everything to follow Jesus. And so whenever they come to Jesus asking for more faith, I think that what Jesus does is playfully mock them. I think these are words from a man who loves his friends and will soon die for them because the image he gives them is absolutely absurd. Oh, so you want more faith. You want me to increase your faith, he says. Great, because then you could run around uprooting trees with your words as if that's what the world needs right now. Um, you'd be invulnerable. You'd be powerful. You'd be confident. You could repair the world all by yourself without any help from me. You see, there's something the apostles don't yet understand, something that we don't always understand, something that St. Francis did understand, which is at the heart of our faith, and that's a scandal of the cross, where the way up is sometimes down, where life often comes about through death, where the first finish lasts, and where growth happens not through increase, but decrease. 
Because here's the truth. Whenever I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, increase my faith, do you know what I really want God to do? I want God to take away my uncertainty and my fear and the ambiguity and tension that life always brings. I want power and confidence and spiritual invulnerability. I want to be like a religious version of the Hulk. And you know the problem with that prayer? Not only are people who feel spiritually invulnerable and powerful and in control of their lives pretty difficult people to be around, an understatement, but they can't repair the church because grace only flows into the world through people who know they need mercy people who are vulnerable and sometimes weak and who don't always have it together, people who cling to Jesus and each other in the midst of that experience and who can therefore give grace to other people. Because here's the truth about faith. What saves the world and what repairs the church is never the greatness of our faith. It's the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Right, Because faith is not some quantity we possess, something we can accumulate and build up and then measure how much we have relative to someone else. There is no invisible faith meter in your chest that God is monitoring. As if spiritual growth were about cranking that faith meter up over a lifetime from coal to lukewarm to toasty red. And so the point of the passage I read is not that you and I need more faith. The point is that Jesus is faithfulness himself and that God is repairing the church and the world through Christ and that like Francis, God is mysteriously drawing us into that work. And so who among you Jesus asks, who among you would put on an apron and take the form of a slave and not even ask to be thanked? Who among us would do that? And of course, all of a sudden, the answer is obvious. Jesus would do that. You see, in giving us this illustration, Jesus is not prescribing our behavior, but describing his own. In other words, Jesus doesn't point to what we should do, but to what he will do on the cross to repair the whole world. And so what to do with the apostles' prayer, increase our faith? Well, let us never forget that it was a desire to decrease and not increase that move St. Francis. To quote one of his prayers, God grant me the treasure of sublime poverty. Permit the distinctive sign of our order to be that it does not possess anything of its own and that its only mark is found in begging. And so am I saying that it's bad or wrong to pray for more faith? Of course not. But if we find that the answer to our prayer makes us less of a beggar and not more of one, 
then we need to pray for something else. Because God repairs the church not by giving us more, but by making us less. Not with big, showy gestures of faith, but with small, consistent acts of love. Not as we uproot trees with our words, but as God's grace spills out from our lives. For it is never the greatness of our faith that repairs the world, but the greatness of Christ's faithfulness to fulfill his promise. And as we did here in the gospel today, the wise and the intelligent cannot understand this, but only the child. And what that means for you and me is this. It means that it is more than enough to show up to life, the very life that God has given you to live, and to show up to life with all of your uncertainty and all of your vulnerability and all of your fear and to do very small things with great love and care. Because Francis did not have a faith that moved mountains. No, he had a faith that sang with animals and that clothed the poor and that loved people that no one else would love because Francis was a beggar and he knew the grace of God. And it's that knowledge and nothing else that made people flock to Francis the way they did to Jesus, that made him an instrument through whom God repaired not just the church, but also the world. And so God make this St. Francis such an instrument. Beggars who know the grace of God and who can therefore offer God's grace to the world. Amen.